This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lothridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Our guest today is the Treasurer of Mississippi, David McRae. We'll learn about his office's list of unclaimed money, college savings opportunities, and ABLE accounts. We'll also look for your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. So before we delve into financial news in the news, I've seen some advertisements lately that I think are very clever, and I think it's E-Trade. One of them has a bunch of bears shopping in a supermarket, and they're buying honey and salmon and that sort of thing. And the the tagline is, if this is your idea of a bear market, you probably don't know what you're talking about. I think I know about that, but there's another one where they're auctioning, like, spinach dip and that sort of thing, and it says something about bidding on dips. Nancy, do you know what that means, financially speaking? Well, they're just talking about possibly market pullbacks. And I will remind our listeners that when we say a bear market, that means the market is declining. If we say a bull market, that means the market is going up. And so right now we've just seen quite a bull market for most of the year since mid-March when we had that really uh, big decline because of the virus. And it's been a little bit of a head-scratcher for us as we've seen the economy pulling back dramatically. Um, But that's where people are right now. Could we possibly just see some pullbacks, some dips, and at that point, maybe uh, some folks are encouraged to go ahead and buy in. Um, Have you seen those ads? I have not. Oh, okay. I thought they're very clever. Uh, What what about some other news, uh, financial news in the news? Well, the biggest thing this morning is that uh, China's economy is picking up, and they are a bit ahead of us in dealing with this virus, so their consumers are opening their wallets and they're spending. Meanwhile, here in the U.S., our savings rates are still pretty high, around the 20% range, which is very unusual for us, and that's because we are not spending. People are still very cautious uh, about going out there, uh, uncertain about things, and so so they're holding on to their cash. Uh, Ryder, have you seen those E-Trade commercials? I have not seen those either. And I would say that if if bears going shopping in a grocery store is your idea of a bear market, you probably shouldn't be signing up for an E-Trade account either. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not really sure what they were trying to accomplish with that ad. Uh, but I think um, it exactly, if you don't know what you're talking about, uh, but you're right. I don't know. But anyway, it's a, <laughs> it's a funny ad. So, so it, it sounds very amusing. They, uh, E-Trade is, uh, they, you know, they've, they've classically, they've had some very good ads. You know, they're the ones with the, um, the E-Trade baby from years back. Um, I guess they must have retired him. Maybe, maybe after all these years, he finally grew up. Um, <laughs> But, you know, one thing we're watching, uh, the, you know, uh, Federal Reserve uh, 
FOMC, uh, the the Open Markets Committee is meeting. They're the ones who you know, they talk about adjusting uh, interest rates to kind of control the flow of money in the economy. And one of the things we talked about previously is they were kind of giving themselves a new, a, a, a different approach to inflation. They usually target a 2% inflation, kind of a reasonable level. We don't want prices increasing too quickly, but we don't want things stagnating. We want prices to increase so people have an incentive to go ahead, spend a little now, and invest uh, to earn those higher prices in the future. That's the idea behind keeping that kind of low, stable inflation. Um, and it used to be there they just kind of looked at it every quarter and if they hit two percent they're like good we did we did what we needed to do fantastic let's hold it steady uh if they went over then they would tone it back if they were under they'd bring it up a little bit but the idea now which which does make a, a good bit of sense is to is because inflation has been low for so long um, that they were going to look at inflation over a longer time period. It's so, you know, if you had a, a year of no inflation, then it would be okay to have a little high inflation the next year because it'd average out in the long run. And, uh, you know, this kind of makes sense. Of course, the main thing we want to watch out for is, is large jumps in inflation. But inflation isn't just, uh, you know, a steady across the board, everything goes up by 2%. Um, in fact, this year has been particularly strange. And, and, and one criticism, I mean, inflation measurements, they are naturally flawed. Uh, but one criticism has been that the, the weights that it gives things are skewed. Um, so for instance, this year, people have been eating food at home much, much, much more than usual. People have been spending way more money f on food at home. And this has been one of the areas, um, actually almost almost the highest amount of inflation this year has been in food at home. And it's partly because of that higher demand. But that means, you know, if you look at a basket of goods that someone is actually buying, they're buying more food at home and it's costing them more money. And they haven't been spending as much on gasoline. And so it hasn't really made the same impact, the fact that gas prices have gone down so much. Um, and I don't know if that's something that the Federal Reserve is going to be looking at. I know they, they have access to just absurd amounts of uh, detailed data. Um, and of course, the regional Federal Reserve banks um, are actually, you know, they have, they have members out there in communities talking with business owners, talking with consumers, because they really do try to get a feel for what is going on um, in people's lives and in people's economic lives and financial lives. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting to see how that plays out into their decisions. Now I'd like to welcome to the show for the first time Mississippi's 55th Treasurer, David McRae. Mr. McRae, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I look forward to uh, making this a common occurrence, and um, great to be here today. So you were elected in 2019, took office in January of 2020, and as everyone knows, then the pandemic hit in March. Was it a challenge trying to get your office set up under such uh, uh, difficult situations? I think everybody had finally found their office by the time we had to leave our <laughs> office. <laughs> we finally found what light switches work with everything. But uh, we got laptops to everybody on our team. 
and we sent them home. And the great thing about technology today is that you can do most of the things we do in the office at home through a laptop, through technology, through the banking software that uh, is provided to us. And we've been working remotely since then and provided excellent customer service and kept that uh, bar that I set during my campaign that I would provide customer service to the people of Mississippi. So, so you know, a little background about myself and my family is uh, my great-grandfather started McRae's Department Store, and he started that in 1902. And if you know uh, the early part of the 1900s, well, World War One hit, the Great Depression hit. And so my grandfather, knew, great-grandfather, knew that we couldn't be in the department store business. We had to be in the customer service business. And that's when this crisis hit, the COVID crisis hit, I knew that's what we had to really focus the treasury in is the customer service business. And you really don't hear that with government very often, that government wants to be in that business. And they say it, but you know, I really proved that, that that's where I want to be. And so we try to make that mindset a focal point for all my staff at the treasury. Uh, two of the responsibilities of your office are to oversee the state's funds and to maintain a strong credit rating. Uh, you've done some of that with a recent bond restructuring deal. If you would give us a layperson's explanation of some of the things that you've been doing, how that happened, and, and how it benefits our state. So my main responsibility to every taxpayer is to make sure every dollar is spent responsibly. You know, you know, that, I think that is everybody in government's job, and especially my job. So. The main, uh, maintain our state's credit rating let us do that. So in kind of the basic terms for anyone listening, uh, think of a credit rating as an interest rate. And you always want to get your interest rate lower uh, so that when you pay that interest, you don't pay as much money out of your pocketbook. So if you have a bad credit score, your interest rate is going to get higher. So in July, we met with the three credit rating agencies uh, over the phone. We normally would go to New York and do it in person, which I would much prefer, but with COVID, we had to do it over the phone, of course. And so we ended up getting our credit rating put to a neutral credit rating, which is great for the state of Mississippi. That's as good as we're going to get, double uh, A uh, neutral, which is with a good outlook. And even during the crisis of, uh, economic crisis of 2020, the three credit rating agencies were very fascinated with our how we had managed our money, how we had saved our money uh, through the rainy day fund and had money to spend if we needed to. So they were very excited about that. The, then fast forward a couple weeks later, we had a great um, um, debt refinancing deal on the table. And from there, we uh, were able to, and the way to look at that is to look at that as a mortgage. So you want to refinance your mortgage. Uh, at a good rate. So tie the two together. We got a good credit rating. Now we're going to refinance our mortgage. And we ended up saving the state $36 million. And we'll see those savings in the next three years and on. But it's not just $36 million that we're able to save the taxpayers. It's going to be a little bit more on the back end for fees and services we had to use before to um, to handle our floating rate. So this uh, rate we were able to get our mortgage, our, uh, our new debt refinancing deal is a, is a great fixed rate for the next several years. Before our first break, Nancy, you had a question. Yes, I wanted to ask the treasurer, um, what do our state revenues look like this year? How far down are we? We're, um, we just had a meeting on that a couple weeks ago. We're not as um, – I can't give you the exact numbers, but we are not down uh, 
as far as you think. Uh, it looks good with the revenues from the casinos and everything from starting our fiscal year. It looks like we're off to a good start. But even with uh, casino closings and all of this, you're not seeing a hit to the state revenue well, stream? Remember, we started our new fiscal year in July. So our Okay, year, so we don't really have a full picture yet at this point. No, we don't. So our fiscal year ended on June 30th. And so do you, uh, excuse me. Do you do you anticipate budget cuts because of these declining revenues as we go through the rest of the year? Well, that's a uh, legislature issue. I do not know how they will see that. Uh, they always want to trim the fat where they can. So we'll just have to see what the legislature does next year. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're going to get to continue our discussion with the treasurer of Mississippi, David McRae, after this break. Do you have any unclaimed funds waiting for you? What about $1.8 million? We'll tell you who did that next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. Try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Our guest for this hour is State Treasurer David McRae. And we have a caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to uh, Jim, who's called in from Madison. Jim, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good, good morning. I have a question for the Treasurer. Um, I, the other day I submitted a claim for some unclaimed property, uh, some money. Um, you know, and it's a really simple form, one page, to which I attached a copy of my driver's license, Social Security card, and proof that I lived at that address. But the form says it might take eight weeks to process that form. Why, why would it take that long? It doesn't. It doesn't take eight weeks. We um, we have narrowed that down to about two weeks. Uh, at some, we've gone even quicker than ten weeks. A lot of times, we have to verify. And I hate that we have to do it this way. You just there's just 
people out there, and not, and um, I'm not saying you are. There are people out there who will try to take advantage of this, and we've already come across that. It just takes time to uh, find out that you are the rightful owner of the money. And like I said, we've gotten it down from eight weeks to about 10 to 14 days. Um, my team has really gotten really fast on that, really efficient on that. And so um, that form, we just put that there in case it takes longer than the uh, 10 to 14 days that I'm saying now. Okay. All right. So well, uh, let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you. The, the the unclaimed money is from two decades ago, and trying to find proof that I actually lived at that address twenty years ago was not easy. Oh, <laughs> managed to no. do it. <laughs> it never is easy, and uh, trust me, that is one of the easier ones. We've had people who um, unfortunately lost their homes in tornadoes or hurricanes, and we've been able to find their money. So we'll, we'll be able to house, find it. My house used to be in Gulfport before Katrina. So you can imagine my problem. <laughs> oh well, we we like a challenge. Uh, we always oh like a challenge. That 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 department loves it. So. Forgot to mention, we had our little bit of trivia. In February of this year, West Virginia State Treasurer and his office presented a couple with the largest individual unclaimed property check in their state's history, totaling $1,780,824.57. What a windfall that was. Uh, so, Treasurer McRae, how can uh, the Mississippians learn if there's unclaimed property with their name on it? So they can go to treasury.ms.gov, and I'm going to repeat that website several times throughout this uh, morning. But at treasury.ms.gov, it's pretty simple. You just go there, and once they're there, there's a box that lets you type in your name. So type in your name, a family member's name, a church's, your church's name, church member's name, and or any personal organization you care about. If, it, if they have unclaimed property, it's going to pop up. And if the money's in your name, send us the form like you, were, you just heard, and we will try to get that money back to you as fast as possible. So you can uh, look up uh, for friends and uh, uh, family members, that sort of thing? We encourage it. Uh, you can, for sure. And uh, I've had a lot of people in my neighborhood uh, find people. Uh, I've had lots of members of my church find people. It's just amazing the number of people that will go and look for the friends and then call the friends and then they'll call two more friends and it just kind of multiplies from there and then my unclaimed property department has you know hundreds of forms on their desk which they love and it's great and we start giving money back to the people of mississippi um, my big thing this money does not belong to the state that is very crucial to understand my, the money belongs to the people of the state and we are so happy to give it back to y'all uh, what about if someone has had a name change? Is, does that create some uh, challenges? No. Under the system we have in place, uh, you can search for your new or old name, um, and it'll pop up. Now, you'll have to go through one more hoop, and that is to prove in the process form that you have changed your name and that the old name or new name is you. But if you call my um, unclaimed property department, they will take care of that and walk you through the, the process. Again, customer service, customer service. My unclaimed property will help you when if you need it. Uh, what about the name of a business you own? Can you search that way? Uh, yes, you can as well. All right. And so uh, where does all this unclaimed property come from? Well, unclaimed property comes from various things. It can come from... Say you moved and put down a, uh, a down payment for your like energy bill or gas bill. You moved and that company can't find you. Well, that whatever you put down for that goes into unclaimed property. And then uh, also, 
it's uh, difficult for banks, credit unions, and retail stores, sadly enough, to find the rightful owner of money. So that goes into our database, and they turn it over to us, and then we try to um, find people that own it. Uh, Nancy, you wanted to jump in again. Yes, um, Treasurer, we have helped a lot of our clients uh, search your website. It's wonderful. We love it. And help them claim some of that money hanging out there. We've also helped in other states. And what we find is that Mississippi doesn't say exactly what the amount is. You are, are given ranges, and we find other states do. Why is that? We've debated that a lot and since I've been in office. And for maybe some people, I, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Do you want to show how much somebody is owed or uh, can get back and be that security risk for them? I mean, it's kind of – it's a difficult question. It's a difficult answer, and I'm not sure there's really one correct answer to it. Um, and so I think it's better that the rightful owner call up and inquire how much they can have. Um I know it could be – I've met a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I probably only have $70. Well, I've told them to call, and it turns out they have like $2,500. So it's always encouraging – I always encourage people to, to, one, go to the website, find your name, treasury.ms.gov, and no matter if you think you only have a little bit or a lot, call and see. You're, you're never going to know how much you have until you call, and there's never a wrong time to call. This is Money Talks. So you can call. Go ahead, Nancy. Sorry. I was just. It's, so you can call your office, and and ask for about a particular claim, and you will be told the amount, right? That's correct. Once you, that is correct. Treasurer McKay, your office has found some money on behalf of some state agencies. If you would tell us about that. Well, throughout the uh, pandemic, we've been able to return around seven point five million dollars dollars to Mississippi's economy. Uh, a lot of that belonged to families, job creators, hospitals and schools, you know. Um, but we also found that, you know, like you said, local agencies have money that's unclaimed, which I found really fascinating and kind of funny. But, uh, for instance, the uh, Mississippi Depart- uh, Division of Medicaid had about a quarter of a million dollars sitting in unclaimed property. Once we saw it, we returned it back to them. And they, uh, um, Drew Snyder, who runs that department, was extremely excited to have that. Uh, he's already found a way to put it in uh, somewhere to benefit the state of Mississippi. So we're ha- it's amusing to me that there's all these municipalities and agencies uh, that haven't moved for decades, and it's just sitting there waiting for them. And I encourage uh, whoever runs these agencies, who's ever in charge of these municipalities, to visit treasury.ms.gov and search uh, your agency or your municipality and see what they have. Um, you know, in this economic situation we're in today, every little bit helps. Every little bit will help your employees. Every little bit will help your town. Every little bit will help in general. And uh, going to the website and searching is just such a simple task, and we encourage uh, highly to do that. So you've mentioned how your office is eager to help folks find this uh, the money and claim the money. There are some organizations that offer to help uh, do the same thing, but they're asking for a fee. Is that legal? It is legal. However, there's a caveat to that, and this is the most important part of this. what I'm about to say. They can only collect up to 10% for their services. 
Now, you can always cut them out and do it yourself and uh, go to our website and search yourself and everything. And But if someone is trying to collect more than 10%, if, you found, if you've used a fee collector and they're trying to collect more than 10%, call my office and let us know. And we're going to take care of it from there. Um, we have had some people try that this year already. And we have uh, cut back on that and made sure that that doesn't happen. And remember, this is your money. You need to, you know, you shouldn't be paying a fee. You, and it, but if you need to find a fee, if you can't do it and need to find a claim finder, that's fine. But just make sure they're only charging you 10%. Uh, it looks like uh, they're going to have a safe Mississippi State Fair this year with lots of uh, COVID uh, restrictions in place. And I know that uh, it's been an annual tradition from your office to have a booth helping people look up their names uh, about the subject that we've been talking about. Uh, are you going to be able to do it with this, uh, with the new uh, realities of the State Fair? We are. We're excited to do it. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm glad the State Fair is coming. I'm glad it's safe. Uh, we're going to set up our booth in the trademark where it normally is. Uh, and, you know, I've walked uh, – when I take my kids to the fair and everything, I've walked around the fair and gone to the trademark. It's always an exciting booth to go to, uh, whether people are searching their own names or friends' names. I've seen a lot of people search their friends' names. But to answer your question, yes, we're going to have the fair, um, uh, a booth at the fair. But why wait till the fair? Let's go to treasury.ms.gov today, and you can find your money, and we'll get it out to you. We're going to continue our discussion with David McRae, the treasurer of Mississippi, in just a bit. How much does it cost to attend Old Miss each year? We'll have that information for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. style you had in high school really cool back in the day but that old car is still cool when you donate it to mpb think radio go to mpbonline.org for details then sit back and enjoy the ride now that's cool hi i'm walt grayson you can now listen to the wild weird and wonderful stories of mississippi with mile marker blues archive is a collection of sound recordings photographs memorabilia join me as we hit the roads of mississippi on mile marker we get researchers and blues fans from all over the world over seventy thousand audio recordings in the blues archive you can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app mile marker a mississippi roads podcast Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. 
According to their website for the school year 2019-2020, the total for residents to attend Ole Miss tuition and room and board, $19,488 for non-residents and $35,760 uh, $35, for non-residents. We bring that up because in our discussion with our state treasurer, David McRae, we're going to talk about September being National College Saving Month. Uh, the treasurer's office has a couple of different methods to help with this goal. There's impact, Mississippi's prepaid affordable college tuition program, and max, Mississippi's affordable college savings. So, Treasurer McRae, let's start with impact. If you could give us an overview of that program. Well, before I start talking about it, let's, uh, let me take a step back and talk very briefly about why these college savings uh, programs are so important. I have three kids. Uh, my oldest is in fourth grade. And so technically, she is a, a beyond halfway to college. And that's really scary to me. My nine-year-old is halfway, uh, beyond halfway to college. And a lot of you know, families need to ask themselves, have they started to save for college? I mean, how old are their kids, and are they, are, are they setting them up for the future and saving for college today? Um, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of families in Mississippi haven't done that. Um, some stats that are really fascinating to me is uh, the average student who graduates in Mississippi graduates with a, roughly around $30,000 worth of debt. Uh, and that number is only rising. Uh, Mississippi is actually the fastest uh, raise, uh, rising um, for debt in the country regarding college. Um, and these debts have a real impact on how uh, our, our children, our kids move through their 20s. It affects um, their life choices, affects what kind of, if they get married, if they have children, you know, things that, you know, cost. And, you know, having to pay a student loan off may, def, you know, deter you from having children earlier on or later. Uh, about 30% of graduates say that they are delaying major life milestones. Uh, like I said, having families moving out of the family's home and things like that. And I just don't think that's really fair to put that burden on people. So by starting, um, by opening an impact is one way that they can uh, kind of unburden themselves from student loans like that. And so how exactly does the program work? Well, the program works is that um, with impact, you, uh, you open an account, and then you can lock in today's tuition rates, and then you prepay your child's college tuition and mandatory fees. And so is there uh, – so you pay in each year. Is there a maximum amount that you're trying to reach? You mentioned your daughter was, I think you said, in fourth grade. Do you just pay until she reaches college age? Well, you can pay up to uh, – you can pay oh, – so you can pay up to a uh, – you can pay all at once, or you can pay over time so that when your child gets to the age – uh, graduation, you've already prepaid the tuition locked in at whenever your child, uh, whatever age your child was. So, for instance, on our website, there is a chart that shows if you start your kid uh, at, you know, before a, year's, a year old, it will cost a certain amount of money. If you start your kid at seventh grade, then it's a certain another uh, amount of money. So, right, so the, the real advantage is you're locking in that uh, tuition rate a, at an earlier time and then just building towards that uh, until your child is ready to go to college. That is correct. The advantage is to do it earlier than later so that you get in the less expensive rate of whatever uh, in-state school costs. Uh, obviously, Ole Miss State and any other school in the state will, ri will raise their tuitions 
uh, before your one-year-old graduates high school. So to lock them in, a one-year-old at whatever it is in two, 2020, uh, you know, it's going to be significantly less than 18 years from now. Uh, we like to talk about this and have talked about it with treasurers past. And if I remember correctly, um, can a grandparent open an account for a grandchild? Uh, they can. But it's like one account per child. But again, it might be something that the grandparents do. Uh, and then if I'm again, if I remember correctly, more than one person can contribute to that. I might be confusing that with Max. Sorry about that. You're confusing that with Max. My that, bad. That, my bad. That, that, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> they're, they're, it's a very complicated issue. It's a very complicated and very important issue. But yes, yeah, that's correct. Okay. So uh, what happens if a student does not attend college in the state, but they have an impact account? Well, that, that's not a problem. Uh, impact is very flexible. So you know, you don't know where you're going to end up, uh, especially, like I said, let's just use the example of a one-year-old. You don't know if the, where they'll go to school. I mean, if you do, that's very great. But if your child decides to attend college out of state, Impact will uh, pay a rate that is equivalent to what the plan you invest in and is worth here in Mississippi. And what happens if, for whatever reason, the student doesn't attend college at all? Uh, impact can, uh, benefits can be saved for future use. Okay. Uh, we mentioned September's National College Savings Month. Is this the only month that you can open an impact account, or when can you open one? Uh, you can open one starting in September uh, all the way, and then we close it in May, and then we open it back up again in the fall. All right. Now we'll go to Max. The, again, I'm sorry for getting the, the confused. Awesome. They're, they're two kind of uh, complementary com uh, programs. So, uh, Max, the Mississippi Affordable College Savings, tell us a little bit about that program. Uh, Max is similar to Impact, however, it's a, a little different. So there's some little quirks here and there. Max is a tax advantage savings account that can be used for your child's, uh, you know, of course, like your education. But you can uh, you can get an account like this uh, up and running as, for just as little as twenty five dollars. That's the major difference. Whereas the other one, you are prepaying the entire tuition. This one, think of it kind of as like a. Uh, a trust fund or a, a bank account you're putting money away in and saving for the future. Uh, so a lot of people pay for this one because it, it is more affordable. Like I said, you can put just as little as $25 in or up to uh, as much as you want in that will pay for the, the child's uh, tuition. And this is the one where if uh, grandparents and parents could work together to kind of build up uh, uh, the max account for their potential students. That is correct. Now, one other advantage of the MAX program is that you can pay uh, books, supplies, and room and board expenses with it. All right. And uh, what about uh, signing up for a MAX account? What is the, uh, what's the time frame on that? Uh, MAX accounts can be done anytime. Okay. So that's open all year round. And again, just for as little as $25, you can start a MAX account for your child, grandchild, uh, and things of that nature. And uh, do parents have a say in how uh, the money they put into Max is invested, or is that done uh, by your office? They do. Uh, that's, the, that's another difference between the Impact and Max. Uh, let's start with Max. Max has 10 different investment uh, plans. You can mix and match those. Whatever works for you or whatever your philosophy is, one of these 10 will work for you, or a, a combination of them will work for you. Impact is done by a group of uh, the College Savings Board, which uh, I sit on and uh, done through a management company. 
All right. And again, impact is dealing with tuition, and Max is a little bit broader, and it can do is it can it do tuition and other uh, college expenses? Yes, uh, it can do books. Uh, room and board, supplies. So again, kind of think of it as kind of a savings account of sorts, where you're putting money in, it's collecting, it's gaining uh, on those investments. So if you put it in when your child's one, it's definitely going to have more when your child graduates high school at 18, 19 years old. And again with Max, what would happen if uh, if your student attends college out of Mississippi? Uh, those funds can be used totally out of state. So it can be used in-state for the full amount, whereas I said a minute ago, uh, impact would be, you know, the difference between the out-of-state and in-state. A max can be totally used out-of-state. So if you have X amount of dollars in your max account, then you can use X amount of dollars outside the state as well. And is max transferable if that one student does not attend college? Yes, uh, the funds can be saved for uh, for the future or rolled over to another beneficiary. So Max is so is very flexible compared to Impact. All right, as we mentioned, this month National College Savings Month. If someone has listened this morning, has uh, we piqued their interest on Impact and Max? Where can they go to learn more information and to sign up? There is a wealth of information at treasury.ms.gov. It's a great part of the website where it's all the websites great, but this one answers, I believe, every single question you could possibly have. And if you can't find it there, again, uh, going back to what I said earlier, customer service is one of my my key points of my uh, administration. I have very good college savings people who are ready to answer any question, and they've heard in the eight months I've been here, they've heard a lot of them. And uh, there is no question too hard or, or strange that they will not be able to answer. All right. We'll continue the discussion with our state treasurer, David McCray, after a quick break. Where can you get more information about searching for unclaimed funds, starting to prepay for college, or setting up an ABLE account? We'll remind you of that next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. impaired mpb's radio reading service is here for you our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you for information and to see if you qualify call us at 601-432-6301 we're pleased that you found our show money talks this is kevin farrell here with dr nancy lotter janderson president of new perspectives and Ryder taft portfolio manager at new perspectives Here's a reminder, every Tuesday at 10, you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, immediately following Money Talks. 
Treasury.ms.gov is the website for the Office of the State Treasurer. You'll find information about the programs we've been talking about this hour with the Treasurer of Mississippi, David McRae. Uh, and by the way, we had a uh, have talked about the college savings plans in previous broadcasts, so if you'd like to get some more information, you can find the podcast for the September 3rd, 2019 podcast, and that will give you some additional information. And Nancy, uh, you wanted to chime in again for a minute. Well, a lot of our grandparents love to use these plans because they love saving for education, but we always sell this on the tax break. So, Treasurer, if you could tell them about that. Well, the tax break for, like, uh, the MAX program is um, you can tax deduct for a joint account up to $20,000. Everything after that is not tax deductible. So that is, I'm glad you pointed that out. That is a very important thing people need to know. All right. Uh, another thing that we want to talk about uh, with your office, uh, Mr. McRae, the ABLE program. It's a personal finance account that may help families. Uh, tell us what the Achieving a Better Life Experience Act created for individuals with disabilities. So ABLE accounts are tax advantage savings accounts for families that have, a, for those who have disabilities or a child who has disabilities. Um, they are really important because um, these accounts are really important because they help people pay uh, for services that may be too expensive for them or out of reach. But the most important part of this and the most common misconception uh, is that they think uh, people that have children with disabilities or have a disability themselves, they think that these will affect their um, any public benefits that individual that they're receiving. That is not the case. The ABLE Act, um, the ABLE funds and the ABLE Act acts as a supplement to the benefits they're already receiving, um, they're currently receiving. So uh, who is eligible for an ABLE account? Uh, anyone that has a disability, that has uh, gotten the disability before their 26th birthday. So it, they don't have to be born with the disability. They just need to have the disability, if they have it, before the age of 26. And so uh, comparing it to what we talked about before, would I, would I be correct in sort of comparing it to the max? And it's, it's, a, it's a fund that can be used for, for expenses? That's right. Uh, it, 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 a lot of people with disabilities and their families depend on public benefits, you know, to to meet the high expenses that come with one particular disability or another. And but to to be as eligible for these benefits, individuals can't have save. You know, you can't have savings of more than a thousand dollars. So that's one thing I needed to say a second ago. So these um, the idea of creating able accounts came to be from that. Uh, a group of parents whose children have disabilities recognized that it was unfair that they had to pay out of pocket. So going back to answer your question in the longest way I possibly could think of is, <laughs> is that, yes, it is like the max accounts. And you're saving up for uh, your child or someone who has a disability before the 26th birthday, and it is put into like an account, and it gains interest, it gains all the investments, and you are able to supplement your already uh, benefits that you receive and go from there. So in, in, and, go ahead. 
I was going to say, uh, you know, for, for folks who are interested in this, you know, if you have a disabled child who is receiving, you know, public funds, um, we had, uh, I believe last year, Rick Courtney, uh, who was uh, a lawyer who was uh, instrumental in getting the ABLE accounts, uh, bringing those to Mississippi. We had him on, and he was an absolute wealth of information um, full of uh, not only details of how those uh, those uh, accounts work, uh, but also also, uh, being the parent of a disabled child himself, um, full of, of kind of the practical experience of, of how that works for parents. So um, I don't remember quite when that was, but I believe that was last year we had him on. That was a fantastic episode. That's and correct. It, uh, hang on one second, Treasurer. Yes, the, the episode that uh, Ryder's talking about was last July, so July 2nd, 2019. And again, if you want to check the podcast, that has uh, some information information. Uh, Treasurer McCray, in, in kind of in broad terms, what sorts of uh, expenses can the ABLE account money be used to pay? Well, uh, they could be paid for the uh, anything that would uh, uh, already receiving under Social Security or anything for uh, Social Security disability insurance. Uh, you can pay for the things that would do that. Medicaid, Medicare expenses they would pay for. Uh, things of that nature for the betterment of the child or the person under the age of 26. So that, uh, but of course, you could be over 26 and still uh, use the ABLE account, but someone who, who is under 26 or got the disability at under 26 is the one who has to sign up for the account. Uh, how much money can be put into the account? Uh, only 15000 a year. Now, I was at a conference in February, and before COVID hit, they had tried to go to the uh, national or the federal government and are trying to extend that to be more that you put more in because fifteen thousand it, it's a good sum of money however the the expenses that these uh individuals who have a disability will incur will be much greater than um than if you put fifteen thousand in just a year so you know, uh, you were talking about the person who had come on the show a minute ago and to talk about the ABLE Act. It may be important to have them on periodically because the federal government is looking at changing the ABLE Act nationally to impact the states, uh, and it's changing every day. And as you mentioned, this is, uh, this is a savings account, so the money in the ABLE account earns interest. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, and who controls how the ABLE funds are invested? There is a board that uh, decides how those funds are invested. Of course, they're invested very conservatively, uh, very responsibly, so it will uh, earn a modest amount of uh, interest and a modest amount of investment, but it is better than none. Uh, we're nearing the end of the show, and we've talked a lot about treasury.ms.gov. Uh, uh, Mr. McRae, is there anything on there that you want to point out that we've missed? No, uh, the website's very comprehensive. Um, one great thing about the website, it shows our financial reports uh, over the last several years. We're going to constantly, uh, we, we're going to constantly update that website with uh, quarterly reports, uh, financial reports. Uh, something that I think, if you're really into it, you can deep dive. If you just want kind of a surface, uh, high aerial view of it, you can look at it that way. Um, my big thing is to have um, transparency and to show how our finances are doing in the state and how they've done historically. And uh, that's one big part of the website I'm proud about. Uh, visiting treasury.ms.gov, you'll see that. 
Uh, of course, all the things we talked about today, impact, college savings, unclaimed property. We're just ready for someone. Uh, we're actively going out and promoting these programs, but we are also um, excited to get your phone calls about them. So um, just going to the website and exploring it and calling us with questions is all I can say to do. All right. Uh, just a reminder, the two podcasts we referenced uh, f- about the college savings plans, if you want to search for that, it was September 3rd of 2019, and we did an episode, and you can listen back to it at, via a podcast about ABLE accounts. That aired originally on July 2nd of last year. And one final reminder, uh, the uh, website for the Office of the State Treasurer is treasury.ms.gov. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, Ryder Taft, and our guest, David McRae, the treasurer from Mississippi, I'm Kevin Farrell inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks only on MPB Think Radio. MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.